This may be your first time here, and it's mine too! <laughs> Welcome back to Disney Marvels for week of September 22nd, 2019. This is episode 57. Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppets, Pixar, Fox, the parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Graken. Whether you're planning your next Disney park vacation, cruise vacation, or you just don't know where to start, do what I do and contact the wonderful caretaking people at Destinations with Character Travel, the official travel partner of the Disney Marvels podcast. Stay tuned towards the end of the show to find out how you can get a free gift for mentioning this show's name, Disney Marvels. You can email them at info at destinationswithcharacter.com or visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure again to tell them that the Disney Marvel podcast sent you for your free gift. Now, for the news. This past weekend at the Emmys, Free Solo, Fosse Ven Veteran uh, drives Disney's portfolio of brands for 22 Emmys for in the 2019 Emmy Awards, Primetime Emmy Awards. On Sunday night, during the Primetime Emmy Awards, uh, wins for the acting category for Patricia Arquette, Billy Porter, and Michelle Williams brought the total number of Emmys received to 22 for the Walt Disney Company's portfolio of brands, which include ABC, FX, 20th Century Fox Television, National Geographic, and Hulu. The platforms had previously combined for 19 awards, Presented at the uh, Creative Arts Emmys Awards on Saturday, September 14th and Sunday, September 15th. ESPN celebrated its 40th anniversary with record ratings. Live sports have been the cornerstone of ESPN's programming since September 7th, 1979, when the network's first viewers turned in to watch a professional solo pitch softball game between Kentucky Bourbons and the Milwaukee Schlutzes. To commemorate the 40th anniversary, ESPN had launched a multi-platform lineup of content spotlighting the network's biggest moments, including a special E60 about the inaugural live event telecast. And this weekend, ESPN had, or that weekend, ESPN had additional cause for celebrating as the networks concluded the most watched U.S. Open ever. The network's live exclusive live coverage of the U.S. Open was seen by an average of 1.275 million people, 1,275,000 people uh, viewers, uh, plus or minus or two, uh, up 23% from last year, which was 1,038,000. An incredible uh, this increase that includes all key male and female adult demos. The previous best was 2015's ESPN's first year of exclusivity of airing the entire tournament, which was 1,265,000. Uh, 
This week, a new trailer for the highly anticipated Frozen 2 debuted on Good Morning America. You can see it on our social accounts. Also, a deal has been reached. Yes, you heard me correct. A deal has been reached between Disney, well, Marvel, and Sony Pictures. Spider-Man will be welcome back to the MCU. We'll be back after these messages. And now, on with the show. In a galaxy not so far, far away, in fact, it's now in Florida, uh, as well as California, Disney has opened their second Galaxy's Edge, and they went about a slightly different way. I, unfortunately, have not been able to make it, but Matt, well, you know, from the Love of the Mouse podcast, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check it out, because it is a fantastic show was able to check it out, and he was gracious enough to join us on Disney Marvels today to be able to tell us about his experience. So, Matt, I have my red shirt on. I have my Earl Grey tea. Um, my phasers are set to stun. I'm ready to hear about Star, uh, Star Wars. Wait a second. <laughs> Wrong fandom. People are... I hear the people banging at my door already. Uh, I just... I just because I love them. Um... So, thank you for being on the show again. Yes, thank you for having me back. I'm glad I didn't scare you away the first time. Uh, please. <laughs> please. Uh, loved having you on the first time. Loved listening to your show. Thank you. Uh, I, I apologize what your girlfriend put you through on one of your more recent episodes. Yeah, that was kind of brutal, but it was it was still fun. Uh, I, 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 was, I was with you in the car... I, I only got maybe one or two other that you you maybe didn't, and that's because I wasn't in the same in the hot seat. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I I honestly feel like that actually ended up being one of our funniest episodes. So oh, it was hysterical. Yeah, and you could tell my frustration was growing it. Oh, every absolutely. Single, every single minute. So. Uh, you you and Tori are still together, right? Yeah, yeah, we are. We okay. are. Okay. Just making sure. Um. But we're here to talk about Galaxy's Edge. You got the honor of being one of the first billion people to to peruse the land. Um, how was it? I mean, the the from my understanding, the sights, the sounds, the the smells, everything is just otherworldly. Is this true? Uh, yeah, it feels like you're in a different galaxy, so to speak. Um, and it honestly was really really awesome i think my mind was a little less blown than i think it would have been at another time because my first experience walking into galaxy's edge was at roughly 6 a.m so i stayed at coronado springs i was at disney world uh, a few weeks ago uh the first week of or the second week of the weekend of September. And 
as many of you know, they are doing extra, extra magic hours currently until November. Yes, 2 a.m. So, breakfast. <laughs> yeah, for real. So uh, they open the park at 6 a.m. And I was there rope dropping at 6 a.m. for the day that I decided to be crazy enough to wake up that early to go to Hollywood Studios. And Ooh. I went straight to Galaxy's Edge. And it was really cool uh, to see it in the dark. Because much like Toy Story Land and Pandora, it has these awesome bioluminescent lights when it is dark out. Mm -hmm. But I think it would have been more spectacular. And I think it is more spectacular seeing it in the daylight for the first time. Understandable. Yeah, kind of. Same thing with Pandora. Um, The first time you want to see Pandora is during the day to take in all the the details before you get that amazing light package at night. Um, that's kind of how I, I would think uh, Galaxy's Edge would be the same way. That Batu is you want to see the details of the the day type of structure so that you could just see the, the fine-tuning, all the details in the uh, the rock work and the, the buildings and the structures and the, the hints and the little nuggets that they've the Imagineers have put everywhere and then experienced the the night package that is just the pictures that I've seen is breathtaking. I know I know from what I've the pictures I took from Pandora, you cannot capture the amazing the beauty and just the, the details on on any camera. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And I think I, I will say though, the being dark at Galaxy's Edge it did kind of give it more of that Star Wars feel where it mm. felt like it was outer space, like it was a different planet. So that was a little cool um, just in that regard, too. You just need that Luke Skywalker little theme playing in your head. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it just actually popped into your head. So which entrance did you come through? I went through the main entrance the first time. Okay, so the main entrance being the one right next to start between Star Tours and the Muppets. Correct, yes. So you walk by the giant thing of Beaker and Animal, and the next thing you know... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I did walk through the main the main entrance by Star Tours just to fully immerse myself. Um, mm. Which is also the Rebellion side. Yes. Yes, it is. People are where the... the, the there's two currently two entrances rumored that there will actually be a third uh disneyland does have three where florida has only got the two at the moment my understanding is that they're going to be one of the things that they talked about is chopping the back end of um the uh formerly great movie ride what's going to be the mickey ride because the track is shorter tearing down half of that and um, creating the third gate there We'll see. I, I can't. I haven't seen any evidence of that happening. You would think by now you would. Yeah. Um, but the two entrances now that you have one side, which is the main gate that Matt was talking about, leads you through where the rebels have landed, or not rebels, um, rebellion now, through their little encampment where they're landing, and you kind of make your way into the the wood through the woods to the mainland. Correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. The back end, which is the Toy Story end, is yes. where the First Order have landed. And you kind of make your way through their landing site and their encampment into the park. Um, I don't know if that changes your experience, how people react to you. Um, 
in the morning, it really didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because they knew everybody was going to one section. Everybody was going to Smuggler's Run. Of course. So there wasn't much uh, interaction with cast members at that point, which was unfortunate. But I'll actually kind of dive into my rope drop experience at this point because it is kind of touching on that. Um, So I went straight to Smuggler's Run, and by the time I got there through rope dropping, because I wasn't running with the crowd, I was just kind of going at my own pace. I yeah. knew I was going to be able to ride it, so it wasn't a big deal to me. Now, were you by yourself or anyone? Co- or- I was. This was okay. a totally solo trip for me. Oh, lucky. Yeah, it was It was really nice. It was very relaxing. So I just kind of went at my own pace and um, just really enjoyed myself and enjoyed the sights and sounds of Disney World. Mm-hmm. So whenever I was uh, rope dropping Smuggler's Run, I got to the back of the line and I could tell that it it was posted at 45, but I asked the cast member, I was like, is this legit? And he was like, it's probably going to be about 75. I was like, okay. So I got out of line and I went over and I walked right on to Slinky Dog. <laughs> nice. Because you can't say that often. Exactly. So I was pretty much backed up to the Toy Story Land entrance to Galaxy's Edge. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to get out of line and go on to Slinky Dog right now. I know there's no line over there. So I just walked right on to Slinky. I went over to Woody's Lunchbox. I grabbed a breakfast sandwich. And then I went over to Rock and Roller Coaster. And I rode Rock and Roller Coaster as a walk-on two times in a row. Nice. And then by that time... This reminds me of the last time we talked. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Um, But yeah, after Rock and Roller Coaster, I went over and I walked right on to Star Tours. And then I walked back into Galaxy's Edge, and at that point it was around, I don't know, 7.45, 8 o'clock or so. Because I was taking my time. I wasn't, like, I was taking pictures and stuff. So it wasn't succession that -hmm. I was doing all of these things. I might have stopped and, you know, went into some shops, whatever. But by the time I was back into Galaxy's Edge, the wait for Smuggler's Run was posted at 40, and I ended up waiting 25. Oh, that's not bad. So, yeah, so that 8 o'clock hour was really the the pinnacle of time for Extra Extra Magic Hours to capitalize on Smuggler's Run because you have all the people who rope dropped who have now filtered out to other portions of the park and people who are staying off-site are not into the park yet. That's so like That's the sweet spot, basically. Yes, exactly. So that's, that's pretty good. So how many times did you end up doing uh, Smuggler's Run? I actually only did it one time. Okay. And yes. what position did you end up with? I was lucky enough to get pilot. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very I nice. don't know how it happened, but I was fortunate enough to uh, get pilot. And the people in front of me were really bummed because they, in, the whole time in line, I was talking to them and they had said, like they were talking about how they hadn't ridden. They really wanted to be the pilots. And they just wanted to get on the ride. I was like, okay. So they they were asked by the cast member, do you want to go with this group or this group? And they were like, oh, we'll go with that group because that line's moving faster. And they got assigned to be like gunners or something. And then I was right behind them and they were like, okay, here's your pilot card. And I was like, oh man, I feel bad. Yeah. 
I, that that's how these things happen. I, I, the same thing ha- happens to me on missions space. Like the person in front of me or behind me always wants to be captain, and somehow I end up always being captain on mission space. I know, I know. Don't ask for it. That's just where I'm always put. <laughs> um. So, Smuggler's Run is the one that has the life-size Millennium Falcon in front of it. Correct. Were you like most grown-up men when you saw that, and did a tear enter your eyes when you walked past it? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was not huge into Star Wars when I was growing up. Okay. It just wasn't one of the franchises that I really got into as a kid. But recently, like, it was really when... um, when Disney bought Star Wars that I really got into it. So I'm kind of on the back end of the fandom. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Um, So, like, I actually didn't see a Star Wars movie until I was a freshman in college, which is mind-blowing just because I love movies in general. And Mm -hmm. And now you realize how you've deprived yourself (laughs) for all those years of filmmaking history. Yes, that was and, the the original trilogy that Lucas blessed us with. Um, but as I say, this is the best time to be a fan of almost anything between the Marvel movies, the the Star Wars movies, whether you like the movies or not. The content that we're getting from the movies from that's been on the Disney Channel and now is going to be on Disney Plus. Tell me how awesome the Mandalorian looks. It looks amazing. I can't wait for that. I, I when I saw that I thought this is not a made for TV, made for streaming type of show. This is a Christmas release movie that's going to blow your mind. That's going to take over the box office. Yes. Um. I, I Favreau vision on this is beyond words. He's fantastic. He everything that he does is beautiful. From the. Even I, I would even throw in Iron Man two in that. But yeah, I, I, I personally enjoy Iron Man two, um, and the Jungle Book, the everything that he's done, and I even enjoyed the Lion King, the, his take on it. Sure. I mean, people have had their issues with it, whatever. But you step back and just look at it as art. Yes, which is what it is, and it's just, it is so actually well done with it. it still touches between the animals the animals acting as animals should as right. in Rafiki his movements he doesn't where he holds up Simba he doesn't hold up up standing upright because he is not from Planet of the Apes right. which is now a Disney property <laughs> and Don I'm sure is happy happy about that but he is kind of planted down because he can a primate cannot support themselves in that type of pose while putting weight in front of them um the the details that he puts into these things which and i bring that up because these details or attention to details he has translated into the mandalorian with just the way that the gruffness of everything you're you're not you know on the hero's journey of luke skywalker um or ray ray skywalker sorry whatever her last name is (laughs) Um, you are following this ruffian and he's not going to the, the nicest places. Um, 
even though they never actually i don't think there's really anywhere that's actually nice in the sky in the star wars universe <laughs> everywhere's like oh this is band of villainous scum oh this place is full of wretcheds and the, um but it, you just get this weight that comes out of it and the fact that i saw ig88 actually in action because that was a character that I thought was so underplayed in the the original movies that, um, and I read uh, Shadows of the Empire, which bring gets you a little more into the uh, the bounty hunters. So you get okay. a little more of IG88's story, the story between uh, Boba Fett and IG88, and um, he's, he's actually a really cool character for a droid. And um, so to see his character or it's a character resembling him. Um, in action in the, the two minute trailer that they released it's just, just to me just makes me even more excited yeah it's just like here's a character that you underplay that you could have done so much with and now we finally get to see him in action right but um and why i bring up mandalorian to this is because supposedly there is a connection between mandalorian and batu i don't know what it is they have hinted at that that yes. there's going to be some sort of crossover to that, that we will finally get a, a connective thread. Um, is there any evidence of this? Honestly. that Or that something maybe you could maybe even guess that could be, you know, maybe oh. hinting at? I mean, I'm sure you weren't thinking of this going I, for there. I really wasn't. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there is a droid or something because there are quite a few droids that are just placed around the land mm-hmm. um, i wouldn't be shocked to see any of those in the series um maybe even just landscape features just in the distance something like that where hey it's kind of a nod it kind of ties it together but i personally can't pick out small details because i think i was so blinded by the small details just being so overwhelmed with it being my first time yeah um understand my for all we know it could just be a throwaway line oh i'm going to about two okay and sure. that you know some random character mentions that and that's the extent of it um so these droids now from my understanding at one point they wanted these droids to be free roaming. I guess they are not. They're more kind of fixed place. Yes. The ones that I saw, I, I agree with you. I did hear early on that there were going to be free roaming droids, but these ones were mainly just like statues, kind of like you see in Toy Story Land of Buzz, Woody, you know, Jesse and Rex, all of that, just kind of fixed into the architecture and playing on like as part of the land, essentially. Right. So they're there, but not really. Right. There were stormtroopers walking around, though. That was really cool. I've I've seen that, and there was um I think I've seen a video of a Ray looking like. Yes. Yes. Ray is there. There is a meet and greet in the land. I'm not sure if it's like a like a scheduled meet and greet where it's listed on the times guide, Mm -hmm. or if it's just one of those like free roaming things where she'll stop and kind of interact where she wants to. I would think, I mean, I, I, I don't know personally. Uh, my my guess would be with how they are treating Galaxy's Edge of being a very divided 
section of the park or very isolated section of the park that they would not be publicizing that. Yeah. That that would be my guess. I could be completely wrong on that, but that that's that's my guess. Um you know, l- tell me about these details. I mean, I again, only seeing pictures, only when I was there trying to peek over the fences or through the fences of <laughs> that the Imagineers put up while they were sure. The three days before they had the cast member preview. Oh, that that, <laughs> that hurts. Not as bad as when I was there two years ago, and it was I left the day that they opened up Pandora. Oh man! Or it was or just the, wow. the two days before they opened up Pandora. I'm like I was there on a media day, and I'm like this is before doing the podcast. I'm like, darn it! Why? <laughs> One of the things that. <laughs> compelled me i need to do a podcast so i can get into these things yeah i still haven't gotten that phone call but one day <laughs> me neither <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the the details of the land just as they are with any new land that disney imagineering builds they're incredible they really are just i i keep going back to the architecture um just the rock structures are what mm-hmm. really blew me away like I know that's so stupid and so minute, but just how they're designed, it looks like it's an out-of-this-world experience. So I absolutely love that, and it's so picturesque. And the way that they do it is they make you walk through essentially the entire land to mm-hmm. finally expose the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so the Falcon is the the weenie of this land, I believe, and that is unbelievable. Like walking up to it and seeing it, like like I said, I'm not a huge huge Star Wars person, but seeing that, I'm just like, wow. Like it wasn't tears, but it was definitely full body chills. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like this is incredible. This isn't real. Yes, you have to kind of remind yourself that. You see the spaceship here and everything, but no, it's not real. Yes, it was awesome. It it really was. And like just because there there are two different ways that you can get to Smuggler's Run, and that's where they kind of house the Millennium Falcon. So you can walk through the market and all of the shops, or you can walk around the entire land and just kind of go past Kylo Ren's ship and then circle back to the Falcon. Mm-hmm. So the first time I took the long path and then when I came out, I went through the market and I think the market is actually my favorite spot of the whole land. Um, like essentially Black Spire Outpost, uh, the right. whole market area. Um, just the open air market. All of the stores have like no doors. It's just walk right in and all the merchandise is really unique and really cool because you're not going to see that anywhere else in the park. No, that and that's done intentionally that they right. have made this very unique. Um, in some ways, they were trying to do the same thing with uh, Pandora, that the, the merchandise is unique to that land. And even more so, I think, with the creation of it, it's looking – it's part of the story. It's not just – yes. You know, something that you can tell was mass manufactured or, or something along that line. It's supposed to be a little more um, true to its 
theming. Yes, absolutely. Like, obviously, they have coffee mugs, they have T-shirts, they have, you know, Stormtrooper masks and, like, stuffed animals plush. But they do have this nice kind of different touch to them Mm -hmm. that doesn't make it look like the other stuff that's sold in the parks. So it's really, really interesting how they did that and how they accomplished it. Now, were you one of the the, uh, desperate ones to go and build yourself a droid or a lightsaber? Uh, I was. I so the day that they announced that reservations were available, I knew that I was going in the general time that I did. Uh-huh. So I looked and I was unable to get a reservation. And then the next day I checked right when I woke up and there was a reservation for the day that I wanted to build a lightsaber. Nice. And I was like, okay, this is amazing. And like the whole time, I knew um, that this lightsaber was not for me. So it kind of took a little bit of the special feeling out of it, but not really. Because one of my best friends since like middle school, me and him have been super close since middle school, and he's getting married next month. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in his wedding. So I, I talked to all the groomsmen, and I was like, hey, I'm going to Disney World, and I'm building him a lightsaber and it's going to be a surprise wedding gift for him. Do you guys want to pitch in for this? If not, I'm still getting it, but like it would be more like it would mean more if it came from all of us. And they were like, yeah. yeah, absolutely, let's do it. So, I was the beneficiary in that regard where I got to build this lightsaber for him. So that nice. was really cool. That was really really cool. Man, I wish I knew you when I got married. <laughs> That that is awesome. Um, so I hopefully he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> so uh, he doesn't find that. I yeah. Well, that's why I didn't drop any names. But that, 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 that's he, fine. He he knows. But oh, okay. He, yeah. <laughs> so what was that experience like? That was probably one of my favorite things that I've ever done at Disney World. Honestly, it was. I know it's a pretty steep price point at. $200. It, it comes out to be around $211 once tax and everything is factored in, mm-hmm. which for some is, you know, a lot of money. For others, it's Star Wars merchandise. It's a, it's uh, a few dollars more than the coffee mug. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're going for the experience, it's 110% worth it. Like if the price is something that you're debating and you want to have that kind of special Star Wars experience, I can't recommend this enough because mm-hmm. it is so personalized to the point that you feel like you like this is choosing you. It's it's essentially like a, a wand and Harry Potter choosing you. Right. Um, but this is kind of heightened because you get to build it from the ground up. So like you go in and they give you essentially a menu Like, once you check in, you have to have reservations, and you check in, and they'll give you this menu. You can choose from, um, oh, man, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, just the different sections. But I know that I went with the, um, whichever one was the justice category. So it was like the, um... 
the Jedi's. Um, okay. Yeah. So they give you the hilt and all the pieces to build the hilt to start. So you uh, you can choose from essentially two different sets, and you can mix and match different pieces from each set. Um, and it's it's cool because they have a cast member leading this whole ceremony, being like, you're chosen to do this, like, you are the next great one. Um, and then they go through this whole spiel. Like, the first thing you do is choose the color of your lightsaber. Oh, so you do get to pick it. Yes, you do get to pick it. Yes. So I knew which color I was going to be picking from the Mm -hmm. start. But had it been my lightsaber, I would have chose differently. Okay, fair Um, enough. But the way that they do it is they have you, like they give you this whole spiel. um, And then they tell you to close your eyes and let the color choose you. So whichever color you visualize first, that's the color that you know your lightsaber should be. And what, what, just for everyone's knowledge, what are the, the color choices? Yes, is it absolutely. The traditionals or? It is the traditionals. They have red, green, blue, purple, and I believe that was it. Red, I, green, blue, purple, maybe orange or yellow. I thought I heard a rumor that there was a yellow one. I don't remember if I don't think there was yellow in the group that I did. You may be able to buy a yellow kyber crystal that can then be inserted into the lightsaber, but I'm not sure. I don't think when I was there that there was a yellow option. Okay. Um and then you can get really lucky and get a black kyber crystal as well, and those are worth crazy amounts of money if you find one Mm -hmm. but they don't actually light up black i've heard they light up red so interesting yes i I, I, to be honest that that makes sense but um yeah i i've heard about those and how um high in demand they are yes people are just going in and trying to buy pieces particularly the kyber crystals are becoming a very high uh commodity right and uh ebay is uh loving the profits that they're getting (laughs) off of that that's very true um, but yeah, so like I said, you close your eyes and it was cool because you could see people who like, cause you're in a big group, roughly I'd say 12 people or so, 12 other people. I could be off a few numbers here and there, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a relatively small group. And you have plenty of space. The room is very small, but it is spacious for what you're doing. Um, and you could tell people like were getting really emotional just walking in, doing the experience. And then when you get to choose your color, that's when people were like, whoa, this is real. And like there was a kid a, a few down from me. He was like, I'm doing I'm doing green. Like when we got in, he was like real excited to build a green lightsaber. And then they said, close your eyes. And he was like when she came around she was like oh did you make a green one and he was like no mine's red Uh oh and she was like good choice he was like yeah that's just what i saw so it was just really cool that like this kid was influenced by the whole story that they were building like maybe your mindset but maybe it's not pick the color that's like chooses you Mm -hmm. 
so that was that was just a really cool really cool little thing that is cool that is cool and how's the quality of the the final product they are incredible they're they're really really awesome um they're a lot heavier than i was anticipating mm-hmm. i'd say it's roughly anywhere from five to ten pounds probably okay. um yeah so they give you a whole carrying case to carry it through the parks and make sure that it's secure like they give you styrofoam because like the the blade is glass okay so, yeah, so like they're stick... not bashing that against the other ones so much. <laughs> no, no, this one's purely to sit on a shelf somewhere and display for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it is really cool because like it does have the switch where it's not always lit up and it does go from bottom to top. It lights up from the bottom like a like a real lightsaber would. Uh-huh. Um, just really like the detail of it is as realistic as you can get. So, okay. So it's definitely, you're not getting something that's slightly above the, uh, the current builder or the original build your own lightsaber at star tours. Oh, absolutely not. The, you're not getting anything plastic. That's for sure. (laughs) $211 plastic flashlight. Okay. There we go. No, no, this is, this is legit. Nice. Nice. Yeah, okay, that scares me because my daughter, when we took her um, to build her own lightsaber at Star Tours years and years ago, and I always, her, her favorite color is blue, so I was expecting her to pick a blue one. And it was her turn to pick the color, and she grabs red. Great, I knew it. My daughter's a Sith Lord. No! <laughs> That's funny. She walks around proudly with it, and she still has it today. Now, they, they um, this was, like I said, several years ago, and my boys just got, um, my youngest got his this time around. So the, the quality, the, the, the build of the lightsabers has changed over the years. Um, they've gotten a little more heftier, um, and now with LED lighting versus the uh, um, regular old uh, light bulbs and of the sure. original ones. So it's interesting to see that how things have changed over the years. So I, I wonder as technology changes if you know they're going to make improvements on these new lightsabers. Um, but time will tell on that. But I am glad to hear that it is something that is you are paying top dollar for it, but you are getting a product to mirror. Oh, no doubt. And not only just a product, but an experience. Yes. That mirrors that. Um, yes. Speaking of products. Um, Wondering minds want to know, green or blue milk? I went with the blue. Okay. Uh, I actually asked the cast member in line. I I was like, look, I I don't know what I want. Um, what do you recommend? And she said, well, if you like more of a berry flavor, go with the blue. If you like more of the kind of earthy um like i think she said coconut or cucumber or something along those lines for the green i don't remember i know those are two completely different uh different flavors and earthy it doesn't really match but i know the blue is more berry flavored and that's what i went with and from my understanding most people actually go that direction yeah 
Uh, did you get the, the slightly enhanced blue milk or did you just go for the uh, under 21 blue milk? I did both. Oh, okay. So I wanted to try both and I enjoyed both, but I think for the money, the non-alcoholic is 10 times more worth it. Okay. Because like if, if you want the alcohol, by all means, do it for the experience to say that you did it. But I thought the flavor overall was better and it was like $8 cheaper for the non-alcoholic version. But that's, that is a, a nice little chunk of change considering that it does alter the, um, the final experience. Yes. Yeah. So I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, you can find alcoholic beverages. You probably could get something a little less expensive and doesn't take away from the experience of the, the blue milk itself. Yes. And you can go over to food and wine. Yeah. And enjoy that kind of alcoholic beverage because there are tons of offerings over there as well. And they, those just keep getting better with, by the year. Exactly. Um, did you get to, to the cantina? I did not. Oh. No. I I had a reservation for Ogos, but I did not end up getting to go. I forget what came up where I think planning just in advance didn't work for my schedule. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, oh, it was, it was the only night that I was going to be able to see illuminations. That's what okay. it was. So I wanted to see illuminations for one last time. And I opted to do that over Oka's. Which is something that when you go back, will still be there. Where right. Illuminations will not be. Exactly. And at that point, I'll be able to experience Oka's with other people. So, if I was just going by myself, it wouldn't have been as much of a good experience. At least I don't think so. It would have been awesome just to take in. But I enjoy the atmosphere of being able to share that with somebody else. So a, a, a gruff, gruffian-looking hairy guy did not say, your kind is not welcome here. No. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a Star Wars reference, people. Yes. Look it up. Um, yeah, so, Okay. I, I was curious about that. So no DJ Rex either. No. All right, next time. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, honestly, for something that's only a place that only has one ride, there is a lot to do from my understanding. Yes, there is. Did you get any of the food while you're there? Uh, no. Did you, did you eat pork? I did not eat pork. No. I see most of my time eating was spent at Epcot this trip. I was really diving into food and wine. How could um, you not? Exactly. So that was really where I kind of uh, spent most of my time and money was Epcot. Um, but I did, like I said, I, I got the blue milk in Galaxy's Edge. And did I get anything else? No, I didn't. I didn't end up eating there. Okay. So, so your overall impression of it. First of all, would you say it's something that people should make a point to go to? Absolutely. No Star doubt. Star Wars or not. 
yes, I like I said, I'm not a huge Star Wars person, but I really, really, really loved this land. Um, I would give it a. I don't want to be harsh. I would say it's an eight out okay. of ten. Um, because it definitely is awesome. And anybody who says that it's not awesome is just trying to create negative buzz to create negative buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is an insanely immersive area and just incredibly well done from a design aspect. And just what they were able to accomplish, like, overall. Like, I'd say the experience of building your own lightsaber is, like... I'd put that experience over the experience I had on Smuggler's Run. I just thought that was I've incredible. I've kind of heard that. Yeah. I, I've heard that. Um, as wonderful Smuggler's Run is, I think, to be fair, people have to realize that it is the lesser attraction for yes. that area. Yes. The, the, the major attraction is yet to come. Um, and from the people that have seen it, said it is something that... There is no words to describe the level of detail and what we're going to experience. Um, what the I can't even. <laughs> I'm yeah, no, caught I, up. Yeah, I do speak for a living. Um, but the 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 detail and the the story and the immersiveness, uh, which this whole area is about. That one word. Um, you. You will never see, you have not seen something to this scale before in this level of detail and, and just creation uh, for a a ride, um, a, a theme, what, you know, what people think of a theme park ride, like Dumbo and Winnie the Pooh. Nothing. Right. Nothing compared to um, what is yet to come. I mean, even Smuggler's Run, in fairness, from my understanding of the ride concept, it's Star Tours. Essentially, yes. It's Star Tours with pressing buttons. Yeah, Star Tours and Mission Space kind of yeah. mixed together. Yep. It's, it's a giant simulator ride. Yes. Um, to the next level, where you got some interactivity. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to put it down. No, no, absolutely not. It, it's awesome in its own right. Like, it's amazing to say that I was able to pilot the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Like, that's incredible. And the overall experience was really cool because I didn't know anybody that I was with, but it was still a blast. Yeah. So, Did like, you I crash? Can... No. no. Did people say it was you, wasn't it? <laughs> I guess that's the other thing. How did the this um, uh, people, you know, your reputation thing work, or did you not get to experience that at all? Um, that's a Good question. I really didn't get to experience it. I did have one person question me in the queue for Smuggler's Run. Uh huh. Whenever I had the pilot, uh, the pilot card, the cast member looked at me and she was like, "Do you know how to fly?" And I was like, "Do I look like I know how to fly?" <laughs> and she was like, "Okay. I hope you don't die." I was like, "Yeah, thanks. Me too." <laughs> so, <laughs> so like there was that, but. You know, that was the, the most interaction I got because I'm I'm totally fine. Like, if somebody's going to be snarky, 
Like I, I feed off of that. I mm-hmm. love that kind of interaction. And I know that's kind of off putting for some people where they're being called out in a crowd and it's like, you know, that no, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to be the guy being picked on, but I yeah, don't I, make attention to me. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> so you're like me. So whenever I was just there, we went um, to the laugh floor and the spotlight came upon me to dance. I, I am like Phil Collins. I can't dance, but I got up and <laughs> did some sort of movements. Um, fortunately, they did not call the paramedics thinking that I was having a seizure or a stroke. <laughs> but uh, and my, my family quickly moved far away from me for some reason. But uh, yeah, so I, I wasn't that guy, but I was uh, still called upon. So I, I, especially in Disney World, I just kind of... You know, you pick on me to do something. I'm, you know, just gonna make yeah, enhance absolutely. my experience and just, uh, you know, I don't know any of these other people. They don't know what I look like. Right. So I, hey, why not live the fun? Actually, one other time that I was picked on um, was one of the times I was at Magic Kingdom this trip. It's the first time I've ever actually really stopped to watch what was going on. Was at the Sword in the Stone. Uh-huh. I was just I just so happened to be passing by the Daily Show where they have the the little kids come up and you know pull the stone out and they picked me to be the one who fails at pulling the the sword out of the stone so that was a really cool experience. Oh, that's nice. That, yeah, that's that awesome. I I would I would like to be part of that. Yeah, it was uh, cool. So, uh, but overall, you, it is it is worth going to it. It, it was it was. I guess worth the wait and the hype. Um, I think it will be more so worth it once the entire land is open. Mm. But I would absolutely say that it is. It, it's a success. I will say that it's a success. I I enjoyed myself. I thought it was like I said, beautifully done, and just overall the experiences that you can do there, and the experiences that are yet to come are going to be next level. And like things like shading and stuff wasn't too much of an issue because some people complain that there's no real cover to go under from the wonderful Florida sun. Um, I didn't honestly notice it much, which is a good sign okay. because it was hot when I was there and I didn't hit any bad weather. So it was consistently sunny the entire time I was there, uh, which is crazy because that's like never happened ever in a Florida day. So Don from Destination of Character, make sure to clear the weather for you, so you got the best premium experience. Yes, yes. And that's what your travel aid, you want from your travel aid. Exactly, absolutely. Um. So yeah, they it, it's uh, I can't speak really on the shade much. I did notice in Toy Story Land. I know this is kind of jumping over a little bit, but they did mm. add the. Uh, the overhead kind of shading area in the Slinky Dog queue. So that's, that, that's I did notice that. But in in uh, Galaxy's Edge, I really didn't notice much. And if there was shade, it was like, you know, I mean. It was so well themed into the land. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't feel like the sun was killing me like you sometimes feel like you do in Toy Story Land or anywhere in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I could tell you stories about that when I was working there. <laughs> it was before they put a the giant roof over um, 
Flights of Wonder. Hmm. In the, the first iteration of that, talking about bad theming, was a giant aluminum, you know, we got this at Home Depot and we're putting it up overnight <laughs> type of job. Oh, um, man. Yeah, I remember seeing that. I'm like, what this, how does this fit into the land or into the theming anywhere? Um, they have now since obviously changed that. So it, it does fit into the theming. But yeah, the original roof that they, they decided to put in that place five years after they built it. I, I forget how long it took them to decide that, oh, yes, maybe we should put a roof over here because frying guests is not a good thing while they're watching a bird. Um, yeah, it was just this tin roof that they stuck over there. I'm like, God, this is the best thing you could come up with. I, granted, I would have loved to have had that when I was working there, um, instead of in the sweltering heat. But, uh, yeah, sometimes they don't always hit those marks just right. But I think they've learned from their, their past sometimes. Yeah. Um, other times I don't think they always do, but sometimes in this case, I believe, uh, I hope they will or have, um, because that, that was one of the things I was hearing, that the there's no place you're always in the sun and water drainage, but you didn't experience any rain, so I can't ask no. you about any of that type of stuff. But um, I am glad that you had such a good time. Um, I personally cannot wait to get there. Like I said, unfortunately, I missed it this last time, and it'll be a little while longer till I can get back there. So thank you for letting us know that. Um, yeah, do you absolutely. have a moment? We talked about a question ahead of time that you want to yes. tackle that. All right. Absolutely. So moving on, you brought up Epcot a few times and yes. Epcot has had a lot of talk and this question dawned in my mind, especially when they, they're starting now to um, slowly introduce the idea of the new nighttime show that's replacing Illuminations, which is called Epcot Forever. And as I'm listening to the music, which is a, a beautiful intertwined melody of um, either dialogue or bits of songs from a lot of the original attractions, and even including into some of the, the current attractions, but you have a show called Epcot Forever right before the park is going to go through a massive re re change of some sort, a complete metamorphosis, particularly of Future World, um, the front part. Um, the the World Showcase, not so much. Just getting a couple of touches here and there, new new rides and and whatnot, which you know is always welcome. But that is relatively staying its own entity and whenever you built epcot it initially was two parks and it's now kind of still being treated as two parks future world is being uh world showcase is being relatively left alone future world is getting basically like i i think i said to you in the pre-show the california adventure treatment yes. where here's the park let's just tear through it and rebuild um what are your thoughts on that um I talked a little bit about this last week. I, I had the pleasure of joining um, part of our world podcast to talk a little bit about this as well. And I'm on board for it. I think that it's exciting. Um, being that my first trip to Epcot wasn't until 2013. Okay. I didn't really get to experience a lot of the original, per se, attractions. Um, 
like I know of them. I've seen ride throughs. I've done a ton of research. I listen to Disney Park soundtracks and just ride through music all the time. Radio. Yeah. So I and I know Epcot. You've said is now currently one of your favorite, if not your favorite park. It is absolutely my favorite park. So it holds a special place in my heart in that regard, where it is. I know for a lot of people, very nostalgic and just being that it was Walt's original idea was the spark of Epcot as a theme park. It just, I'm ready for change. Like I was never really a supporter of illuminations until Mm. I saw it this last time. And I think that that was only due to the fact that, it was my last time that I'm going to be able to see it in person. Like this trip a few weeks ago was my third time down to Disney world this year. And I had gone to see illuminations at least once on every trip, once with my brother, once with my parents. And then this last time by myself and the the time with my brother, I was like, you know, that was really underwhelming. And then with my parents, I was like, you know, that was okay. It still wasn't great. But the whole time I'm comparing it to Happily Ever After because I know how amazing that show is every single time that I see it. Mm. And I think that Epcot Forever is going to be that level of awesome just based on the soundtrack alone, being that it's really pulling in all of the things that people really love about Epcot and have for a very long time. I think them playing off of that is going to be huge because they're in this really like Disney knows what they're doing. They love playing off of the nostalgia factor. Mm -hmm. Like they're bringing back old poster art like the, the it's I like to refer to it as retro modern. Like they're bringing back all these things that they did in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, not only with the movies that they release but with the design of the parks, like the Tomorrowland sign, the, um, the the poster art that they released for all of the attractions at Epcot with the, the, the Moana attraction, just everything, the Mary Poppins attraction, it has this very um, simplistic art style to it. And I think that's the direction that Disney's going, where it's a mix of nostalgic and retro, but also going into that extremely modern where it's going to be like something we've never seen before. Particularly with the um, lack of better word, the pavilion, the the three-story building that um, multifunction building that they are putting in in replacement of uh, I always get my east and west mixed up but I believe it was Communicore um, I still call it Communicore. Most people know it now as um, Innoventions. Yes. Um, but Innoventions East, I believe, is the one that they are tearing down. Yes. And that they are building this multi-story, like I said, pavilion, because that's what everything else is. That is correct. Uh, that is something that, as weird as it may seem, will be something welcomed, um, something very functional, and just give... 
give it a little more character that it has lost. I mean, Epcot was built in the late 70s, open in the super early 80s. Um, and one of the issues that that park has had is that, particularly Future World, and this was even something Michael Eisner touched on when he tried to breathe some life back into uh, that park, um, which is the part that you you come to know, um, was that it feels very 80s. Yes. Early 80s. Um, and they, they've tried to work with it, but there's sometimes only so much you can do with concrete until you have to tear it down and build it again. Right. And I agree. Um, it is going to be a welcome change. It, you know, change is change. Whether you like it or not, it's bound to happen. You can either fight it, but you will lose because it has happened and you cannot change it back. Or you can welcome it. It may be hard to accept it at first because you will walk through that gate expecting to see what you have now seen for, what, 30-something years? Yep. Um, and it will not be there anymore. It will be something completely different. But just like future uh, Tomorrowland, not Tomorrowland, hello, Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom. I've I've been there since the eighty the seventies. I you know I went to that park in the seventies, eighties, nineties. I know what that part of the Magic Kingdom is supposed to look like. And when I went there four years ago after they just dis- redid it, and I walked through, I didn't miss what used to be there. I mean, right. I love 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and when they got rid of that, okay, and then they put in the Pooh's bouncy house and Ariel's, Ariel's grotto, uh, grotto, that whole thing. I'm like, yeah, this just, that didn't feel right. But when they redone it and put in the Little Mermaid ride and Beast Castle and um, the, the towers of where the boundaries of the castle leads out into this other area, and that just feels like that has been there the whole time. Right. It, it is just, it just feels right now. Um, and I think that's what we are going to get with Epcot. The changes that they've made over time has been nice, but it's kind of, it has lost its identity because its identity was very shallow in what it's supposed to be. Um, and now that you're bringing in this other stuff, now I you know, the, the theming of the names of the sections I thought was a little kooky and I can't see it necessarily sticking. Yeah. Um, I, I think everyone's just going to accept it as for what it is. Um, but I think Epcot Forever, the show, is kind of to kind of bring back what Epcot was as far as the park kind of remind you of what we have and what will be kind of going away, but things change. Yes. Test track wasn't always there. It was world of motion. I enjoyed world of motion, <clears throat> but test track is a ride for people. Now world of motion. If it was still around, you would be able to walk on and walk off and probably be one of the only people on that ride. Horizons. Well, my favorite rides from Epcot. Same thing. Great ride for its time. But my kids, I'm sure, would take a nap on it. Because 
Sure. It was a slow moving in the air conditioned 40 minute attraction that, you know, just shows kooky things of what people thought the past was, the future would look like in the 80s. I'm still waiting for my vacuuming robot to feed the, give the cat its milk and vacuum at the same time. But so things change and these things need to change. And Epcot Forever is going to remind us of that. I think the music score is going to be spot on. Yes. Um, it's not going to be the technological feat that uh, um, the show at the Magic Kingdom is. But I'd, I think, again, touching on the nostalgic, it's going to pull out your heartstring and you, whatever they put in front of you visually you're just going to love because we do have to keep in mind, it is a temporary show. Um, there is something grander coming after it. So they're not going to be dumping a lot into this, especially since they're going to be draining the lake. Um, but it is still going to be a very beautifully done show because Epcot's always had the beautiful shows. Yes. Um, magic Kingdom gets the grand shows like wishes, Happy Ever After, um, Fantasy in the Sky, Sorcery in the Sky, Fantasy in the Sky, Sorcery in the Sky was the studios. So you always get the grand shows at the Magic Kingdom, but you get the beautiful shows, the the emotional shows at Epcot. And I think that's kind of what we're going with. Everyone's saying, well, you're getting rid of Walt's original idea. And give me a second. Hold on a second. I'm going to kind of put that to rest because, at least in my opinion, Walt's idea was for a community that would kind of live in harmony, kind of a a world of the future, yes, that would come together and live, everything would be conveniently nicely done. Um, And he called it Epcot, Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, but it was a town, it was... It had a church, it had schools, it had houses, it had places of work, but all just built in a hub-and-spoke type of area. Um, and with the monorails and the people, Woodway people movers, all that was supposed to be part of this community. Right. But that was what the Florida Project was going to be. Obviously, when Walt passed away, and just, even if Walt didn't pass away, I don't believe that would have ever happened. Logistically, I, yeah, I agree. Logistically, for the late 60s, early 70s, wasn't really something that could have come about financially for its time. Um, when they built Epcot the park, they took snippets of that idea. Um, but as the park came to be, it kind of actually came further away from what the idea was supposed to be. The community of tomorrow being world showcase of all the different nations coming together in one area was the idealistic end of it. But it wasn't the actual idea of what Epcot's supposed to be. Epcot really is just a nameplate that they took from Walt, placed it on this park, and kind of it, it's, it was to look forward to what the future should be or would they would like it to be and what will be possible. Right. And I think part of it, um, just the name Epcot forever 
plays off of how you brought up identity, I think that is really what they are going for here, mm-hmm. where it's a reminder that this is essentially bridging the gap between what Epcot is today to what Epcot is going to become, yep. but it's still going to be Epcot forever. Yeah. I mean, it's, initially, initially people had no idea what to make of the park because as far as anyone concerned, it was a world's fair and it was going to close down in about three years. Um, obviously didn't happen, but I think they're finally trying to strip that element out of the park and make it something more than it has ever been. Yes. Um, which is why we're getting stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, with how Epcot was in the past, you can never put something like Guardians of the Galaxy in it. Which is why it is getting such a, a change. It will still be Epcot. It won't, it's not Epcot Center anymore. They dropped the center. It's now just Epcot. But the, the park is... It's time for it to get a, a, a refreshing. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Epcot Forever show is, like you said, it's going to be that bridging the gap. Like, okay, you know, you enjoyed all this. This is wonderful. You know, your memories are precious, and we understand that. But it is time to move forward to build new memories, to build something new and something that, your kids, my kids, your kids, your kids' kids will appreciate because, in all fairness, I don't think they will, you know, they're going to appreciate as much as we will. And it took me 20 some years to really fall in love with Epcot. No, I, I completely agree because, like I said, the first time that I went in 2013. I spent a whole day at Epcot, and I was like, you know, this was this was really cool. I think at that time, Flower and Garden was going on, so it wasn't a super big sell for me. It was nice to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I was like, okay, Soarin' was really cool. And then it poured and thunderstormed the entire day, so Test Track was closed. So that was really what we could do with Soarin' at that time. <laughs> So it was like, okay. Hey, uh, if you won a few years earlier, you've been doing the kitchen cabaret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like now, I'm like, I just want to explore. Like, I went to Epcot every single day that I was at the parks this past trip. And that's the only park that I went to every single day. Just because I love walking around and exploring what Epcot has to offer. It's not about the the thrills. It's not about the, um, you know, like, the rides. It's about the cultures and the architecture and just everything that Imagineering has accomplished and will accomplish in the future. It, it's just blending every and food and wine, obviously, because... Yes. I, I love food and wine. I can't say that enough, but that's besides the point. <laughs> when we were last there, my wife goes, wait, food and wine still goes on? And she, she asked one of the cast members, does it really bring in that much business? And the, the, just the cast member turned to my wife and said, you have no idea. <laughs> that's yeah. why it keeps getting bigger and longer. 
Um, yeah. I, I think next year it's it's going to be when um, Flower and Garden ends around probably middle of April. Food and wine will start up and go straight through December 23rd when you get quick glimpses wow. of the Christmas stuff. Um, I, I, I joke, but... Um, no, I know. That would be awesome. I, yeah, I think I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. Um, when I worked down there in the 90s, I was kind of... I was the same, it's almost the same story of what you were just mentioning, how I want to... I could go to any park. Being a cast member, I could go into any park. I, I enjoy going to the different parks. I go to the studios. I go to the Magic Kingdom. Didn't go to the Animal Kingdom as much because, uh, you know, why would you go to where you're working sure. on your day off? But I always found myself wanting to go to Epcot just to be able to just to walk around um, what used to be the largest park, now, but the second largest. But walk around particularly the world showcase and just again taking in the cultures because i didn't realize that some of those pavilions go back pretty deep and there there is alleyways and streets and just yeah. nooks and crannies where you will get lost and you forget that you're in a park and you just kind of can just get lost and just en enjoy even it's just even if you don't do any rides just to walk around and just take it all in and i think one of the things that they the casting has done so well with that is that you meet people from around the world at the at each of the corresponding pavilions um you know okay canada you go meet people from canada then you just go right down the road and you're talking to people from england go over to the Mexico and talk to people from Mexico and then speaking with people from Norway and you not only does it bring authenticity, but you get to hear their story. You get to talk to people from another part of the world while on vacation. And it's not like it just you're meeting a random stranger and they're telling you a story, which essentially is what you're doing, but you're doing it in such an environment that only not only Disney, but just only Epcot can do. Right. Well, at, they do it to an extent right. at, at Animal Kingdom, but I think it just plays out so much better at, at Epcot. And you're not losing that part. And that is that is the part of Walt's dream um, that Epcot brings, and we are not losing that. The redoing of Future World is not part of Walt's dream. That was not... That was right. just kind of really... Essentially, taking the idea of a world's fair and putting it into a theme park. Um, because if you look back at the the pictures of the world's fair, the Ford's uh, exhibit that they made and whatnot, you see Epcot there, and right. that was the fifties and the sixties. For that to go away, to bring in something that's just going to be so much more amazing in some ways and just more functional. Yes. Um. Because Epcot is not, I mean, you want to talk about a park that needs shade, <laughs> especially in the middle. Once they got yeah. rid of those banners from the, the pin trading area. Yeah. Um, I Like the Fountain Nation, I, uh, I'm i devastated that they're taking away because, uh, I mean, I'm not sure a lot of people realize that the Fountain of Nations, the water in it is from the water from the countries represented. Yes. Around World Showcase. Um, so I did see that they're going to repurpose that to use in the Moana water attraction. Thank you. I am, I, I'm, I was hoping they would, 
but I, I wasn't positive on that. So to hear that there that the, that is something that's potentially going to happen makes me sleep a little better at night. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, for all of everybody that's saying that, oh, we're getting rid of something that, you know, Walt's last wish and this real thinking of what Florida was going to be. No, we're not. Because no. that is World Showcase. Future World is just it's like Tomorrowland. It was something that was created and they you with how technology changes literally every few minutes. There's no way for that to keep up because I remember whenever I could go into interventions and do video calling and email and that was the big thing and then it became, you know, Sega had a thing and you just played video games and you know if you if you walk through interventions it is a sad sad shell of what it was when that park opened or even for like 10 years after that and there are parts of that that is blocked off and they haven't used in probably 10 15 years you're absolutely right so what are they doing with it let's tear it down and build something that is going to be functional that we can use. You know, Epcot is now, you know, with the, the flower and garden and the food and wine is now part of Epcot's identity. And honestly, that is closer to Walt's vision than what future world is now. Yeah, no, it's, it's bringing people together and that's what he wanted. Right. So. So, you know, I'm not trying to be negative or here or attack anybody. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm letting people know that, no, we are not getting further away from Walt's vision. We are right. actually bringing ourselves closer to it. Yes. And things need to change. Walt, Walt himself said, particularly, he said this for Disneyland, but this goes for all of his parks. It will, be, it will never be done. It is always growing. It's always changing. It is a canvas of unlimited ideas. And it's it's never supposed to be a museum. No. And for people to say that, you know, they're bringing all these IPs and that's not what it's about. Two things to that. The reason why Walt built Disneyland, besides other than, you know, this idea, really is a it was a marketing idea. Absolutely. That's what Disney's all about. Yeah. And it started with Walt. His idea was he wanted a place that he could bring people to introduce new movies, new ideas of either TV shows or movies that he's put out or going to be releasing to get them interested in it. So the fact that, you know, this water place area, which just later in the process, actually they gave the idea of Moana to it. I'm okay with one. I love Moana. And two, why not? Because that's how people are going to connect with it. And then it makes people want to go there like you attach something especially kids that kids recognize they're gonna be like oh moana let's go there it doesn't just become this stagnant area of journey into imagination where oh look jumping water fountains to me that was cool in the 80s but to the kids now they're just like eh. yeah it's like I, I I love the character of Figment and the Dreamfinder and the original idea of Journey into Imagination. But, like, if it goes away in the coming years, that's fine. 
you have these memories of these characters, like they'll still somehow incorporate Figment into Epcot. They've been trying to get rid of Figment for a while, but the weird thing is the more that they think about trying to get rid of Figment, the more they realize they need him because he is the one spokesperson for that park. Yes. And I don't think it's, they will get rid of Figment that they will need to change journey into imagination because it, it's time for an update for that. Um, the, for the, sure. And they've, they've been trying to. They had to change it in originally because the ride stopped working. Right. The, the turntable that the thing was on stopped working. They couldn't fix it anymore because of how it was built. So they had to come up with something else. And they, it's better than some of the, the iterations between the original and what is what it is now is better than couple of those other things that they came up with but it still could be improved uh, yes i mean i love eric idol in it i'm my python fan so seeing him in his dr nigel i always you know get a kick out of that but that's me my daughter's going who's the old guy <laughs> <laughs> sure. well, why, why do you keep cracking up when you see him because I, I i'm thinking of him wearing underwear on his head and going meep meep <laughs> um <laughs> But, uh, so, you know, I'm not the target audience anymore. My kids are, and I have to be okay with that. And really, I am. My my son loves Figment. Whenever we went on that, he really loved Journey into Imagination. I was very happy about that. But I know that in a couple years, he will want something more from it. Right. And they could still incorporate the attraction as, you know... A, promoting the idea of imagination and what it can do for you but i think now with technology image mapping 3d technology more so maybe with the image mapping they could do so much more justice to that pride than no doubt. repurposed not not animatronics even some of them are not even animatronics some are just statues right um that they are still using from the original ride. So, uh, you know what? I, I trust the Imagineers, and they really haven't failed us. No, too much. no, they haven't. So, you know, welcome the change. Because, yes. like I said, it's happening anyway, and I can't wait to see what Epcot Forever is going to be about. The, the little clips of the music that they put out, is really cool it's phenomenal and i can't wait to hear the whole score because oh, i always love i i love disney music i i have deep park radio playing on in the house when i can in my car is i have over 500 songs from the parks on there that i i put on until my wife yells at me um <laughs> right now we're, my car is a going through a will smith kick because the the boy's we got the the new Aladdin DVD, so they're watching that in the car and loving it. And just because whenever I turn it off, I have Will Smith playing with some of his <laughs> his stuff. Yes, you know, Big Willie style and whatnot. Sure. But, hey, why not? Um, so you know, to see that stuff integrated, I have no problem with it. And it's it's just it's going to be a pain to get to that point. But once it do- it's done, I think everyone is just going to go, wow. Yeah. 
no, you're you're absolutely right, and I'm I'm completely in agreement with you, 100%. I think just embracing the change that's coming because as much as people want to complain, it, it's happening. Yeah, and it it may be unfortunate to some, but I feel like those same people once they see what is to come are going to be the biggest supporters of new Epcot as well. So yeah. it's like you can you can complain all you want now, but when you see the amazing things that are coming in person, you're I, I, I it's going to be hard not to eat your words, you know? Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. Like the the space restaurant. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because if I remember correctly, that's the same people who do the Rainforest T-Rex Boathouse. I believe they're also doing the the space restaurant. Yes, I, I think you're correct in saying that. Um, and it's... So, again, great track record so far. Awesome stuff coming. Um, it, Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, come on. I mean, you just... That's going to be awesome. The, the ride vehicles look really cool, and it's it's not going to be like anything that you've gone on so far. Right. Um, and Epcot needs something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I will miss the dinosaurs. I'm not necessarily <laughs> going to miss Journey, um, Ellen's Energy of Adventures, other than seeing Bill Nye from when I remember him in the 90s. Um, and ellen but it's it's time for some of this stuff to move in yeah move on um like the seas with nemo okay it it was an upgrade i guess so to say it was a refreshing it's not let's be honest i guess it wasn't right. necessarily an upgrade it was a refreshing from the attraction that was there initially um but that needs I mean that's already dated. It is. You're you're right. And anytime I feel like if you can walk right onto a ride consistently, something needs to be done. Yeah. Like people can love it, you can have this affinity for this ride, but in the end if it's not bringing in people which is what you want from any attraction at a theme park, then something needs to change. Right. And that's what Epcot is doing. So I think it's it's the smartest thing to do. It's they, they know what they're doing. Like Disney has a plan and they know how to execute that plan and they're going to do it really, really well. And I honestly don't think we've heard everything about the plan yet. I think there's still more stuff that will be coming out in the coming months, years, <clears throat> as this stuff is all going to be worked on. I, I think you're right. I think there could be a lot of things that change that haven't been announced yet. Yeah. So, thank you. For, I just wanted to get your take on that as well. Sorry to go on a 20-minute rant about <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all good. I enjoyed that. I love Epcot so much. Oh, me too. I, and like I said... I, I I enjoyed Epcot of old, but I'm looking forward to Epcot of new. Um, I mean, I I still have my hat and shirt with the the early 2000ish or 90s logo of the different colors and the funky writing. Um, I got one of the things when I got down there when I was working, and I, I still it's kind of a prized possession of mine, is a 
drinking a plastic cup mug, but it okay. is shaped like Spaceship Earth. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, when they, I saw people ha- with this when I was down there working. I'm like, I have to get one of these. And I was on a mission to find one. And I, I, I did get one. I wish I got more at the time. But uh, it, yeah, it, it's textured and looks like Spaceship Earth. That's and I awesome. just I love that icon where I put up my monorail around my Christmas tree that I always make sure I put up the, the spaceship Earth. It's always front and centered. And it's just. I, gotcha. I don't know. I, I like I said, when I originally was going there as a young kid, I could have cared less because to me, I just didn't understand it. At some point that changed, I crossed over the bridge and my eyes were open to how cool Epcot actually is. And uh, I, I, I've been a fan ever since. And like I said, looking forward going forward. But I, I will put the pin in it there. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much for sharing your experience um, of Galaxy's Edge and your thoughts on Epcot and all the awesome posts that you do. Please tell us where people can find these amazing posts that you put on there and your show. Well, first off, thank you again for having me on. Um, Always my pleasure. It's always a blast to come on and speak with you. Um, Just talking anything Disney is always a blast. Um, So if you would like to follow me, you can check me out on Twitter at LOTM Podcast, Instagram at LOTM Podcast, and Facebook Uh, by searching Love of the Mouse podcast. And you can check out all of our blog posts, previous episodes, um, some photography, all of that fun Disney content on our website, loveofthemousepodcast.com. Just do not ask him random Disney character questions. (laughs) Yes, because I will get them wrong. (laughs) And then get very frustrated. (laughs) Yes, yes. Quickly. What's the horse's name? <laughs> Which horse? Oh, oh man! Come on! Come I am on. kidding. Uh, I don't even remember the horse's name from from Brave. Brave. Yep. No, I, the horse had a name. Couldn't tell you. I can like, tell you Mer- Merida's name. Well, yeah, of course. I can't that's, even tell uh, you her brother's names. So, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I'll save that one for the next time I play that game. Turn it around. Do it to her. Oh, I will. I, I have that in the works within the, the next, I would say, at least five episodes or so. Uh, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. Thank you again, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that would do it for this week's episode. Thank you again to Matt Merlino from Love of the Mouse podcast. Always great to have him on. And his insight, and especially in this case, saying he's going to be somewhere I haven't been to. Not quite jealous there. Have you been to Galaxy's Edge yet? What did you think? What are your takes? What are your opinions? If you haven't been there, what are you looking forward to? Are you excited? Are you anticipating it? Or are you kind of, eh, you know what? This Star Wars thing is just a fad. It'll go away. It's, it's not going to last. Let us know. Join the conversation on our social networks. Facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast is a great place to keep uh, keep the conversation going. Again, that's Facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast. Or even on the Twitter, which is at Disney Marvel's. 
Again, the Twitter handle is at Disney Marvels. You could even email the show with your suggestions, answers, or any opinions to DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. Again, the show's email is DisneyMarvels at gmail.com. You can even leave a voice message through the Anchor app. I want to thank you for your time. I know how little time we all have these days, how crazy and hectic it is between work and school and grocery shopping and bills and work and school and driving the kids here and doing this there and having to go to these meetings. The fact that you've taken some time out of all that madness and spent it with me means a lot. It, it just, I, I cannot express how much this truly means to me. Um, to, that you're listening to this show. If I could just ask you one last little favor, or two little favors. One, go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a rating for the show. The more ratings actually helps the more people find out about the show. The more people that find out about the show, the better the show is. The bigger the family, the better things are. I mean, it's a Disney family, and as Walt believed, the bigger the family, the better. And that's why all the cast members are family. Everyone is by first name, and it's a giant family. That's why, you know, well, that was one of Walt's uh, wishes and dreams as well. And if the other thing is, I mean, if you can't do that, at least tell other people about the show. If you, you know, any of your Disney friends, or if you see people that um, are supporting Disney or Marvels or any of those things, leave, you know, let them know. You know, tell them about the. Hey, there's this show out there, Disney Marvels. Check it out. It's almost the just about any a lot of the places that you can find your uh, your podcast. So thank you very much for that too. Don't forget to subscribe to the show as well. This way you always know when the new episode is posted. While you're at it, also consider becoming a premium subscriber to help the show out, keep the lights on, and keep things rolling. You can do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. Again, that's anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. Remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. And as I said at the top of the show... Make sure you check out Destinations with Character Travel. These are the official travel partner of the Disney Marvel Podcast. They are a Disney earmarked agency specializing in Disney cruises and resort vacations and in the business of making your dreams come true. They're made up of cast members, annual pass holders, lifelong Disney fans, and world travel enthusiasts. They are in the know regarding all aspects of your travel. Whether your travels are taking you to Disney parks, on ocean cruises, or sunny resort, or sudden resort stay anywhere, they have the the destinations and the service level to make your vacations truly a magical one. Find out how th they take the stress and hassle out of your vacation so you can enjoy yourself. Book a Disney five-night package with four-day hopper with them to get a free $25 gift card. Just by mentioning our podcast, Disney Marvels. Again, book your Disney five-night package with four-day hopper, and you will get a free $25 Disney gift card just by mentioning Disney Marvels. Contact them at www.destinationswithcharacter.com or email them, info at destinationswithcharacter.com to begin your vacation planning process hassle-free. Again, who I use nice and easy whatever impossibilities you're facing out there whatever 
darkness, strife, pressure, anxieties you're facing in life, just remember, there is a light with inside of you. It may not, you may not see it, you may not believe it's there, but it is. Trust me. Don't give up. Never give up. Never give in. Look deep within inside yourself and you will find the strength that you need to overcome and be your own hero. Never give up. Never give in. I'd like to end this show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. I'm sure I've used this one before, but again, I find it appropriate considering the topic. Disneyland will never be complete. It will continue to grow as long as there's imagination left in the world. Again, that's by Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.